want to ask you if you agree with this statement. We invest our time in things that matter to us. Would you agree with that? I think most of you would. I mean, you take your kids to ball practice every week, several times a week, not because you like to sit and watch the ball practice probably, but because your kids matter to you. Or you go to all the Carolina or all the Clemson games because that sports team matters to you. Or you run or exercise four or five times a week because your health matters to you. You see, we really do invest our time in things that matter to us. I saw an interesting study recently that said 19% of churchgoers read their Bible every day compared to 68% of pet owners who exercise their pets every day. Houston, we have a problem. Apparently, for 81% of churchgoers, the Bible just doesn't matter that much. Because we invest our time in those things that matter to us. Howard Hendricks once said, Even though the Bible remains the most sold book in the world, it is also one of the most neglected in the world. Today I want to show you why that should change. You know, there's lots of reasons for picking this book up and reading it. Some people pick up this book and they read it because somebody told them a chapter a day keeps the devil away. Some people read this book because it's a new year and they got a new challenge. I'm going to read it cover to cover this year. Another reason for picking this book up and reading it is because maybe you're not a believer and you're curious and you're wanting to know, is this God's stuff real? Some people read the Bible because your life is messed up and you're hoping to find something that will help in this book. Some people read this book out of habit. Some people read this book because they want to know God better and grow in their relationship with Him. And so whatever your reason is for picking this book up and reading it, I am glad that you are reading it. But today I really want to focus on the 81% of you who may not be reading this book every day. Do you know why God led men to write this book? God led men to write this book because God has something to say to you. And I'm going to make that point several times throughout the message, but I want you to hear it again. God has something to say to you. Have you ever noticed the words that the Bible uses to describe itself? Let's start by looking at the outside of your Bible. You take your Bible, look on the outside of it, look on the spine part. It may say study Bible, if that's the kind of Bible you have. But most of your Bibles say holy Bible. Right there, it's imprinted on the spine of your Bible. Holy Bible. Now the word holy means separate or set apart. In other words, what that word is signifying is that this is no ordinary book. What what that is signifying is that this book is different from any other book you'll ever read. It is a holy Bible. Now, let's talk about that word Bible. B-I-B-L-E. Bible is derived from the Greek word biblios, which means booklets or little books. So, the Bible is a book of little books. It contains 66 smaller books that make up this book. 
66 smaller books, 39 in the Old Testament, 27 in the New Testament. So that's your Bible. It's a book of little books, basically. Now, it might interest you to know, everybody listen to this. Look at your pastor for a moment. It might interest you to know that the word Bible is not found in your Bible. You ever know that? That the word Bible is not a term that's ever used in Scripture. It's not a biblical term. Now, I'm not saying it's a bad term. I don't mean that at all. It's not a bad term. It's just not a biblical term. We have put that label on it. Holy Bible. Now, here's why that matters. God has used some different terms, some more descriptive terms to refer to the contents of this book. We call it a Holy Bible. God calls it something very different. And that's what I want to look at today. That's what we want to focus on. I want to start in Luke chapter 24. We'll be looking at several scriptures. I hope you have a copy of God's Word. Luke chapter 24. I'm going to have to read a, a long passage to really give you the context, but beginning in verse 13, what we're going to be reading about is what happened one time on the day of the resurrection of Jesus. On the day that Jesus resurrected from the grave, this occurred. It says, now that same day, that is the day that Jesus was re resurrected, now that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened, and as they traveled and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them, but they were kept from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They, they stood still. In other words, look at this. They were walking and talking, and then he said, what are you discussing together? And they stopped. And they looked at him, almost to say, are you kidding? So here's what they said. They stood still, their faces downcast. Verse 18, one of them named Cleopas said, or asked him, are you only a visitor to Jerusalem and do not know the things that have happened there in these days? What things? He asked. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was, past tense, he was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. And the chief priest and, the, and our, our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped, past tense, that he was one who was going to redeem Israel. What is more, it is the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but didn't find his body. They came and told us they'd seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb. They found it just as the woman had said, but him they did not see. He said to them, how foolish you are and how slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Christ have to suffer these things and then enter glory? Now, we read all of that to understand verse 27. And begin with Moses and all the prophets. He explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. Now, here's the reason we read all of that. I want you to notice that the Old Testament writings are called the scriptures. Look at it again, verse 27. And beginning with Moses, Old Testament, and all the prophets, Old Testament, 
he explained to them what was said in all the Scriptures. It's an interesting term, that term Scriptures. It's a translation of the Greek term graphe, which means a collection of writings. Or another way of saying it is sacred writings. God didn't just speak His message to us. God didn't just reveal His message to us in the clouds or in dreams. He saw to it that His words were actually written down. And that's what that word Scriptures really means. It means the writings, the sacred writings. What He wanted to communicate with us was written down. It was first written on parchment. And then it was later written on paper so that you and I could read it, so that we could understand it, so that we could live our lives by it, so our lives could be shaped by it. Here's what I want you to understand. Ladies and gentlemen, God's book, God's Word, the thing we call the Bible, is called the Scriptures in many different places throughout the Bible. It's called the Scriptures because God's Word was written down. I like what Pastor Robbie Galati said. He said, the Bible in and of itself is a miracle. Think about it. Over centuries of time, God supernaturally moved in a number of men's hearts, leading them to record the exact words of God. And God then guided His people to recognize these divine writings and to distinguish them from everything else that had been written. Later, God's people brought together these 66 books. The preservation and survival of the Bible were miraculous as its writing. Finally, God gave them the technological knowledge to copy and transmit the Bible so that all people could have it. And all of this took place because God has something to say to you and me. You see, what you have in your hand, if you're holding a copy of the Bible, what you have in your hand is the very heart and mind of God written down. But I want you to notice something else in Luke 24, verse 27. I want you to notice the theme of these Scriptures. It says in verse 27, And beginning with with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the Scriptures concerning himself. What was said in all the Scriptures there, and he's referring to the Old Testament Scriptures, concerning himself. Did you know that Jesus is all through the Old Testament? Let me show you again in verse 44. He said to them, This is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that was written about me. I have that underlined in my Bible. That was written about me. Where? In the Law of Moses, the Prophets, and the Psalms. Those are the three divisions of the Hebrew Bible. And he says, Everything that was written about me in the Hebrew Bible, in the Law of Moses, in the Prophets, and in the Psalms, I was the major theme. I am the major theme of that Old Testament, Jesus said. Now, I'm going to pause for here for just a moment and address something that you may have heard about or read about. There's a prominent pastor who has suggested that we need to unhitch the Old Testament from the New. I'm not here today to throw stones at him. He is a brother in Christ. He's done a great work and I have not had the opportunity to sit down and talk to him and say, what exactly are you trying to say? However, I want to be clear as your pastor in saying, we must not and cannot unhitch the Old Testament from the New Testament. You see, the Bible is a unit. The Bible as a unit tells us the redemptive story of Jesus. 
We need the Old Testament stories in order to understand the New Testament teachings. One example, we don't have time to read it, but one example would be in Romans chapter 4 where the Apostle Paul reaches back into the Old Testament, into the book of Genesis, to talk about a man named Abraham and to help us understand the New Testament concept of being justified by faith. It was a situation where Paul said, listen, you need your Old Testament in order to understand the New Testament. Just read Romans chapter 4 if you want an example of what I'm talking about. Don't read it right now, but if you want an example of what I'm talking about, read Romans chapter 4 of how the Apostle Paul turned back to the Old Testament in order to write and understand the New. We must not unhitch what God has written because God has written both the Old Testament and the New Testament and both are needed to understand the story of redemption. Let me give you one verse to hang your hat on in that regard. Go to Romans chapter 15. Romans chapter 15. Romans chapter 15 verse 4. For everything that was written in the past, that's talking about the Old Testament. For everything that was written in the past was written to do what, church? To teach us. So that through endurance and the encouragement of the Scriptures, there's that phrase, the Scriptures, we might have hope. God had something to say, Paul was saying. He had something to say, so he wrote it down. So that it would teach us and give us endurance and give us hope and introduce us to Jesus. So, review. Holy Bible. Wonderful phrase. But the word Bible is not in the Bible. The way that God refers to this book is not the Holy Bible. The way God refers to this book is the Scriptures. The sacred writings. Because God wrote down what He wanted to say. Now, there's another phrase used in this book to describe it. Let me show you what that phrase is. The Bible uses another term to describe itself. You'll find it in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. First Thessalonians chapter 2 verse 13. And we also thank God continually because when you received the Word of God, there's the descriptive phrase. When you received the Word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as the Word of men, but as it actually is, the Word of God, which is at work in you who believe. So here, the Bible is not referred to as the Scriptures, it is referred to as the Word of God. And again, that is another phrase that you'll see throughout the Bible uh, where it's referred to in those terms. And I love the way that Paul says this here to the church in Thessalonica. He said, When I stood to speak to you, and I unrolled the scrolls, and I pointed out what Moses said, and I pointed out what Jeremiah said, and I explained to you what Isaiah said, when I presented that to you, you did not receive it as simply mere words from men, but you received it as it really is, the Word of God. Think of it this way. The Bible 
is God's way of speaking to you. So each day that you pick this book up, you're giving God the opportunity to shape your life. And watch this. Each day you leave it sitting, you're missing that opportunity. Each day you neglect to pick up that book, you're missing the opportunity for God to speak to you and to shape your life. You see, look up here if you can. The Bible is God's counsel for your happiness. The Bible is God's direction for your marriage. The Bible gives His wisdom for the problems that you're facing. The Bible gives His comfort for the hard days you're going through. God has something to say to you, but you have to pick it up to allow Him to speak. That's why we call this book the Word of God. Now, I love what Peter said about the Word of God. Go to 1 Peter, over to the right. Find the book of 1 Peter. First Peter chapter 1. Peter uses this same descriptive phrase to describe the Bible. That is the phrase, the Word of God. He says, verse 23, For you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and enduring Word of God. There's that phrase. For all men are like grass, and all their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord stands forever. Peter refers to the word of God in these terms. He refers to it as the living and enduring word of God. Do you know why the Bible is living and enduring? Is it because it is the word of a God who is living and eternal? And this living and eternal God has written down what He wants us to know. And no other book, because it is the Word of God, no other book can have the impact on your life that this book can. That's why Peter said in verse 23, you've been born again because of this book. Look what he said. You've been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and enduring Word of God. The word born again means born from above. Your life has been changed by God. How the Spirit of God uses the Word of God to bring about a new life. He says you were not born by perishable seed. The the phrase perishable seed refers to your first birth. Refers to your physical birth. As I walked through the hospital this week, I was reminded again that we're all born of perishable seed. People have heart attacks and get cancer and they have kidney problems and they have respiratory problems. We're all born of perishable seed. I was in a funeral home this week. I was reminded again that we're all born of perishable seed. But when you're born from above, when you're born again, Peter says in verse 23, you're born of imperishable seed. Because the Holy Spirit of God takes the Word of God and brings new life to you through Jesus Christ. You see, there's no other book that can do that for you. I read the true story of a, a man named Gaylord, and I have a hard time with his last name, Kambarami. Gaylord Kambarami is the General Secretary of the Bible Society in Zimbabwe. 
he was out giving out Bibles one day, and he gave a Bible, or at least he tried to, to a belligerent man. A man that didn't believe in God and didn't believe in his Bible. And Gaylord Kambarami wanted that man to take the Bible. And the man insisted that if you give me that Bible, I'm going to take, rip the pages out and roll them up and make them cigarettes. Mr. Kambarami said, I understand. Just make this deal with me. When you tear that page out, you'll read it before you smoke it. And so the man took the Bible. They didn't see each other again for 15 years. 15 years later, they, they saw one another at a Methodist conference. The man stood up at that conference and gave this testimony. He said, there was once a man who gave me a Bible. And I told him I was going to tear the pages out and roll it up as cigarettes. I was going to smoke it. He said, I smoked Matthew and I smoked my way through Mark and I smoked Luke. And he said, when I got to John, I smoked, started smoking my way through John until I came to John 3.16 and I had to stop smoking. He said, that day I gave my life to Jesus Christ. I'm going to tell you something. You can smoke every book on the planet and it won't change your life. But when you start taking the Word of God... It will change your life. You see, God has something to say. You. So we wrote it down. Don't. Don't let that go by you. God has something to say to you. So Almighty God wrote it down. That's why we call this book the Scriptures, the sacred writings. That's why we call this book the Word of God. Because the Creator of the universe has something to say to you. You see, there are a lot of good books in this world. Some books can move you emotionally. Some books can inspire you. Some books can motivate you to live better. Some books can teach you things you've never known. But only the Bible can give you a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. Here's how Peter described it. He said, all men are like grass and all their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers, the flowers fall but the word of the Lord stands forever. I want this to be a year where you allow God to speak to you. And so I'm launching a, a new Bible reading plan for 2019. I'm going to ask him to put it on the screen. Let me show you what we're going to be doing. In the month of January, I'm basically taking this month to preach about the Bible on, on Sunday mornings, of course. Shaped by the Word is, is the series we're doing on Sunday mornings. So that's what we're doing in January. But, but starting in February and going through November, we're going to study a book each month. For example, in February, I'm going to ask you to read through the book of Genesis with me. And then in March, I'm going to ask you to read through the book of Mark with me. Some months we will have short books and we'll read those several times that month. But we're going to do that. We'll study a book each month, February to November. Then in December, we're going to study, allow you just to pick your favorite book of the Bible and study it. But here's one other thing we're going to be doing. To help you understand what you're reading, on Sunday nights, I'm going to be teaching from the book that we're reading that month. For example, in February... 
We'll start the book of Genesis, and on the first Sunday night of February, I'm going to introduce that book to you. I'm going to survey the book for you. I'm going to help you understand what that book is all about. And then, on the other Sunday nights of February, we will look at some key passages in the book of Genesis that you are reading during that month. Same thing in March. First Sunday of March, first Sunday night of March, I'm going to introduce the book of Mark to you. I'm going to help you understand what this book is about. And then throughout the month of March, on Sunday nights, we'll be looking at some key passages in that book. Now, if you've already started a Bible reading plan for this year, that's great. You go for it. You keep it up. You, if you're reading chronologically through the Bible, or you're reading F260, or you found whatever it is you're doing, that's just great. You just stay after it. But I'm aiming at the 81% of you who may not yet be reading the Bible every day. If you've not yet started a Bible reading plan, I hope that you'll join me in our reading through the Bible. We're going to read 10 books in 2019 that I think every person needs to master. That every believer needs to understand. We'll be reading 10 books this year and helping you understand those 10 books. Now, I'm going to ask you a question, and I'm almost done. Have you ever gone to those steakhouses where they bring out a bucket of peanuts? Man, I love those things. Here's what happens. They, they bring out the bucket of peanuts. Now, uh, Dennis and I were at, one, we were at one not too long ago, and he put away some peanuts. I just want you to know that. He, uh, but, but his pastor did too. Here's what happens. They bring out a bucket of peanuts. They set it down in front of you. Now, you didn't go there to eat peanuts, You go there to eat steak, right? But they put that bucket of peanuts in front of you, and unless you're allergic to peanuts, you're you're going to reach in that bucket. You're going to grab one. And then one's going to lead to two. Two's going to lead to three, and three's going to lead to four. Before you know it, you're going to have a pile of peanut shells there in front of you. Why? Because once you get started, it is so good. I want you to have that kind of experience with the Bible. I want you to get started reading it and hearing God speak to you and one day will lead to two and two days will lead to three and on and you once you get to taste it you'll say this is so good God has something to say to me and it's so good you see that's actually scripture look at this text From Psalm 119, how sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. You know what the psalmist was saying? The psalmist was saying, once I dig into this book, it really is wonderful. So here's what I'm asking, and with this I close. Don't read your Bible out of guilt. Don't read your Bible out of habit. Don't read your Bible to please your spouse or to please your parents. Read your Bible because God has something to say to you. I hope that tomorrow you pick up your Bible or tonight and you'll have a different perspective. That you'll pick up your Bible tomorrow morning and you'll have a different perspective. God has something to say. Maybe you're going through a rough time. You need to pick up that book because God has something to say to you. 
Maybe you need some comfort. You need to pick up this book because God has something to say to you. Maybe you're worried about something. You need to pick up this book every day because God has something to say to you. I don't know about you. I'm so glad he wrote it down. Let's pray about that. Thank you, Father, that you love us and that you speak to us. And I pray that in the days ahead, we might hear your voice in a very special way. I pray, God, for the 81% of this crowd who likely they're not reading their Bible every day. God, I pray they won't do it out of guilt. I pray they won't do it because the preacher said so. I pray that they'll come to this book with a fresh awareness that you have something to say to us. This really is sacred writings. It really is the Word of God. And I pray that as they open the book, that the Holy Spirit would help them understand the message you have for them. I ask that in Jesus' name. Amen.